0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scriptures and we thank you that they tell us about yourself. We thank you that they tell us that you are love. And so, Lord, we ask that in accordance with your love this morning that you would preserve our lives as we consider your word. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would lift up our hearts to yourself as we examine your word and what it says about your son, Jesus Christ, and about your great love for us in sending him into the world in our place. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this morning for Christmas, we're looking at this passage of Scripture in Luke's Gospel. And it is very familiar to us. If you've visited churches on Christmas Day for uh, a few decades of your life, you'll be very familiar with this. And of course, uh, we heard it read in different ways, in different places, and even in other times of the year. And here we see that the Lord does a powerful work... In the first century. We see the Lord doing a powerful work. And the first powerful work that we see when Luke's Gospel actually opens, and we didn't read it this morning, but it'd be familiar to many of you, is the work of giving Elizabeth and Zechariah a son. Giving the Elizabeth and Zechariah a son. Elizabeth and Zechariah are the parents of john the baptist but we know that it was difficult for them to have john the baptist if you look back at chapter one if you, i encourage you to have a bible before you this morning as we look at the word together chapter one verse seven uh, we read that but they had no children that's referring to zachariah and elizabeth because elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years here we see that elizabeth had difficulty having getting pregnant And they'd actually gotten much older, and so it was not expected that they would be able to have children. But then the angel comes and visits Zechariah and tells him, while he's at the temple, uh, that he was going to have a child. And there's an interesting tale about what happens with him and how he does not believe at first, and how he's not able to speak, and how John is named John eventually. Uh, So that's all part of chapter 1, this very long chapter of Luke's Gospel. And that's a very difficult work to give people who are much older a child. And, of course, a lot of people spend a lot of money on trying to have children later on in life. But here we see, and what we're particularly looking at this morning, is an impossible work that God does. An impossible work. And what is that? Not a barren woman having a child but a virgin getting pregnant and having a child. And we see that with Mary in the passage that we looked at, this, uh, we just heard read for us. Matthew chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 1, verse 27, uh, well, I'll read from verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. There's a strong emphasis here on the fact that Mary was a virgin when she was told about the fact that she was going to have a child. And then if you go down to verse 34, Mary asked the pertinent question, "'How will this be?' Mary asked the angel, "'since I am a virgin.'" We see here that the people of the first century weren't simply just gullible people and they thought that virgins could get pregnant any time of the week. No, they see here that this is an impossible work. This is an impossible thing. Mary asks the question, how will this be, Mary asks, since I'm a virgin? Literally in the Greek there it is, since I have not known a man. I have not been known by a man and a man has not known me very clear that she understands that this is an impossible thing to happen. And we know from Matthew's Gospel in the parallel account about the virgin birth is that uh, that Joseph also recognised it was an impossible work. Joseph, her uh, fiancé, he was ready to divorce her. It was only the visit of an angel that told him, don't worry, it's of the Lord that this has happened, that he was then willing to accept Mary even though she was pregnant the people of the first century weren't gullible. They knew that this was an impossible work. So how was it possible for a virgin to become pregnant? With all the medical advances today, we still understand that this is an impossible thing. You still need a man and you still need a woman in order to have a baby, even despite all our technological advances in reproductive uh, technologies. Uh, So how is it possible for this virgin to get pregnant, even though she has not known a man? Well, we read in verse 35 how it is possible. Mary asked the question in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And what does the angel reply? Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit by which the Virgin will be with child. The Holy Spirit will bring about this pregnancy, he will overshadow the Virgin and she will become pregnant with the Son of God. And then we have the big answer that's given uh, when you want to understand why something that is impossible suddenly becomes possible. What is that in verse 37, the verse that I particularly wanna focus on today, verse 37, for nothing, nothing is impossible with God. How is the impossible possible? It's with God. It's with God. With God, we can do the impossible. And that is what I think is a great encouragement for us on this Christmas day. A great encouragement for us. This verse is particularly helpful for us as we face different impossibilities in our lives. What are the things that you find to be impossible at the moment? Is it life in general? You find life to just simply be impossible. It feels like you're hitting up against a brick wall. Or is there a particular thing? a specific thing that you're finding to be impossible for you at this time. Maybe it's a particular sin that you feel is impossible to stop. No matter how many New Year's resolutions you make, you continue to find yourself engaged in that sin. You continue to overindulge at the Christmas table and every table for the rest of the year. It doesn't matter how much you try to stop the greed, it just continues to happen. It feels impossible to get on a diet and stay on a diet. Or maybe it's a sin of somebody else that you feel is impossible to deal with. Someone continues to sin against you, and it's just an impossibility that they will ever stop sinning against you, and that you will ever be able to forgive them for what they've done to you. Or maybe one of the other big impossibilities of our lives, we're conscious of the impossibility of sin. I've got two for you this morning. Firstly, sin. Secondly, the impossibility of defeating death the impossibility of fighting death. And I think people in this world have had a raised awareness of this, particularly in Western nations, where we tend to think that we can defeat uh, anything that comes along. If we just throw enough money at it, if we just throw enough brilliant minds at it, we can defeat it. I think we've had a raised awareness that there are some things we just can't defeat, and that is death. We know that death is very difficult to deal with. Even children are conscious of the impossibility of death from a young age. We've seen with our children. They suddenly twig that mum or dad could die at some point, and that's it. There's no coming back from it. It's not like mum or dad can say, it'll it'll be all right, I'll come back. No, they understand that there's a, a point that you can get to, and there is no coming back, that you can die and not return. And so children become aware of this from a very young age. And I think we increasingly, as we get older, become aware of it as well because it's fast approaching. Children don't seem to care so much about their own death when they're fairly young because they think, oh yes, uh, children don't die very often and so they think that they're a bit invincible and even young adults particularly, uh, they can think that they're invincible and not so worried. But as you get older, you start to become increasingly aware that you're verging on that age bracket now where your death is getting more and more likely as the years roll on. And we know we can't defeat it. How do we know we can't defeat death? Because people through the centuries, and including our century, have been throwing the brilliant minds at it. They've been throwing money at it again and again and again, trying to defeat death with vaccines, with healthcare, with lockdowns, which we've experienced for the first time in our, uh, my history of here. You might say I'm fairly young, but I'm almost 41 now, and I've never seen churches closed on a Sunday in Australia because the government says you can't open the doors. And more than that, I never thought I'd ever see pubs closed in Australia. But this is what we've experienced. And what is it in the name of? It's in the name of defeating death. We have these lockdowns. We have exercise regimes that are pressed upon us and diets that are given to us. And if you do these things, You can defeat death. No, you can't defeat death. All you can do is slow it down. Slow it down. Increase the age expectancy. But even then, it's just an expectancy that we can do by going through these different advances that are made in our health care and in our lifestyles. It is only going to slow death down. So is there any hope for us as we consider just, I've just given you two impossibilities. You may be facing others, but particularly the big ones, sin and death. Are there any ways that you can defeat both sin and death or any impossibility that you may be facing? Yes, there is with God. With God, See, that's what it says in verse 37 of Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel, chapter 1. For nothing is impossible with God. If you are with God, then nothing is impossible for you to accomplish if he desires that you should do it. And this makes sense when we consider who God is. Who is God? He is the creator of all things. He is the one who sustains all things. He is the one who keeps you going. Every breath you take is Because of his power and his might. So if he wants to do something, he can do it. Because that is who he is. He is God. If he wants a barren woman to become pregnant, she can become pregnant. If he wants a virgin to become pregnant, she can become pregnant. Because he is God. And yes, it is possible for us with God to defeat those big enemies that we face of sin and death. Sin and death. God can help us defeat those if he so chooses. And that's what the Christmas story is actually all about. That God himself came and lived amongst us, grew up and died the death that we deserve. Why? Why would God's son come into this world and go through such a horrible experience of living on this world and the way that people attacked him, and then a horrible death. Why would he bother? It's to defeat sin and to defeat death. That's what he came to do. He says, I have come that they, my sheep, may have life and have it to the full. He came that we could have life. We have thrown so much at trying to defeat death when the Son of God himself came so that we could defeat death, so that we could have life. How did Jesus do that? It was by dying on the cross. By dying on the cross, the punishment that we deserve for our sin, which is what? The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The punishment that we deserve of death was poured out upon Jesus. And so he took our place at the cross if we trust in him and was raised to life to show that he has paid for the sins of all those who trust in him. And so... By one act, he was able to accomplish two defeats of sin and death as they go together for those who trust in him. So when we're faced with the impossibility, the impossibilities of this world, including death and sin, what are we to remember? The Christmas miracle, the virgin birth, because there you see displayed the power of God. The impossible becomes possible as the virgin becomes pregnant we need to remember that we are with a god who can give a child to a barren woman who can give a child to a virgin woman and so nothing is impossible if god desires it no sin is too hard for us to defeat no death is too great to come back from See, at different points in history where people really don't want someone to be raised again, ever again. And so they, what do they do? They burn them. And then not just burn them. You get the ashes of the person and you throw it in the river. There's no way God can bring that person back. They're scattered all over the river now. What does it say in verse 37? For nothing is impossible with God. He can raise someone who's been scattered all over the earth. Bring them all, all those particles back together if that's what he wants to do and give them life once more. So I think there's a wonderful encouragement for us this morning as we look at verse 37, as we understand that nothing is impossible with God and we see how he displays it by the pregnancy of Mary so many years ago. And an illustration might be helpful for you to put this into practice, how it is an encouragement for you. And an illustration that I'm, I'm... Cautious about using, because I don't want to belittle God and I don't want to belittle our life, but it's uh, I I thought I'd use this illustration because it may be helpful to some of you. It's a military illustration, but I understand that most of us haven't had any experience of the military whatsoever. But a lot of us have had some experience of military in terms of video games. And I started doing this with my son in the early years with video games. I used to play a lot of video games, but then I grew up. Um, And then my... Then my son uh, starts being able to play video games, and so I play some of the racing games, I play some of the fun little Mario games with him, and now I can actually play some of these first-person shooter games. And it's a lot of fun, the kinds of games I used to play when I was a young adult. And it's been a lot of fun because what you can do, you can be in the game and we're fighting aliens and we're in co-op mode. So we're not on a solo mission on our own. We're there together and we've both got guns and we're both going after the aliens as a team effort. And it's a lot of fun for us. And in some games and in some levels, you actually get some of. I mean, one person can even drive a tank. A tank is given and one person's in the tank and the other person's walking with their gun and it's a lot of fun because basically if you've got a tank, the enemy has no chance... Someone's there in the tank, they're blowing up the enemy, one after another, and the other person, what are they doing? Well, they're just walking around, taking pot shots at some of the enemy that they're encountering uh, as they sort of clean up behind the tank somewhat, but they're not really doing much. If anything, what that person does, who's not in the tank, is just calls out where the tank needs to fire next. They become a bit of a scout, and just calling on the tank, say, "Okay, turn it a bit to the right, a bit higher, yep, shoot there, and the bad guy will explode. And it's still fun for that person who's not in the tank. It's a lot of fun for the person in the tank. But the person who's not in the tank still quite a bit of fun because you get to watch the enemy get blown to smithereens, which is always uh, enjoyable. Uh, And it's also fun when the tank holds off uh, that you get to uh, have some engagement yourself. You get to engage the enemy. You get to learn how to shoot and enjoy that uh, side of things. You get to fight yourself. Uh, But you also, part of the reasons it's so fun is if you're doing it on a very difficult level, at a very high level of difficulty, you know you're going to win. If you've got the tank, you're going to win. It's all going to be okay. And we're going to beat this level and level up. And I'd like to use that as a bit of an illustration, I think, for how we live as Christians. God is like player one with the tank. Now I want to be careful here. Maybe it might be better for you to think of him as the captain. He's in the tank, and he can defeat any enemy immediately if he chooses to fire his cannon at them. Any enemy you face, he can defeat it instantaneously as player one in the tank. And he does this by raining down the Holy Spirit on whatever problem you have. Remember how it, it was occurred, the virgin birth occurred? It's the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary. If the Holy Spirit is sent as fire from God into whatever problem you're facing, it will be immediately vanquished if God chooses to do so. And that is what we are meant to be doing as we walk along through life. We're meant to be calling on player one. We're player two, and we don't really have that much to do ultimately other than call on player one to come down and help us, to tell our Father to send his cannon fire on whatever particular trouble we're facing. And we do that how? By prayer. As we pray, we're asking God for help with whatever problem we face. And so when we struggle with a particular sin, whether it be our sin or the sin of somebody else, we call upon God to send his spirit and just wipe out the problem. Wipe out the problem. And what happens? Well, often prayer player one does. You hear remarkable stories of people who've struggled with a particular sin and it's just wiped away. They pray to God, and it's just wiped away, and they don't have to worry about it ever again. They have no desire to engage in it, or the person that they've been struggling with just flips and becomes their best friend instead of their worst enemy. God sends his Holy Spirit, and the problem is solved. Just like that tank fires its cannon, boom, it's taken out, and that's what God does. But I must also remind you that sometimes player one doesn't send the canon, as, uh, as you may ask him for. Sometimes he operates in other ways. Sometimes he may actually bring other players into your life to help you out. We call those brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, player, two, three, uh, player three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're brought in, and it's a big team effort. As player one allows them into the game and you're able to harness their energies in your fight, thanking player one all along for letting them into the game. And that's what God does. He brings our brothers and sisters in Christ into our situation. And we find them where? At a local church. That's why it's so important to be a part of a local church. Otherwise, you're missing out on the other players helping you in your fight with the impossibility that you may be facing Or sometimes God, sometimes he he rains down the fire and sorts out the problem. Sometimes he brings other people into our lives to help us with it. Sometimes he holds back. Like I do if I'm in the tank with my son. I hold it back and let him have a couple of goes at the enemies. You know, you, you have a turn, fight a bit, and almost like I want him to learn his dependence upon me. I want you to know that you really do need the tank for this level. You really do need me. As you die again and again and keep respawning, um, you kind of need me to help you out in this situation. And that's what God does. He wants us to learn the need for dependence upon Him. That we are facing impossible situations. And what do we do in impossible situations? We cannot accomplish anything on our own. Because what does verse 37 say? For nothing is impossible with God. We need to be with player one, we need to be with the captain. If we are to defeat the enemy and so he holds back his support so that we can be strengthened but also so we have a greater dependence upon him but through it all even if he holds back and we face very severe trials in this world and we know he has the power to in an instant change it all what can we do well we should rejoice we should rejoice Why? Because we know we're going to complete the level. We know we're going to level up. That no matter what happens, we are with the tank. And we will finish. And we will be raised to life. We will level up. The tank has defeated the biggest problems that we can ever face. He's defeated sin at the cross. And he's defeated death at the cross. And we know this because a barren woman became pregnant, because a virgin became pregnant. And more than that, that baby grew up and lived a sinless life in this sinful world. Who else has been able to do that? That's an impossibility to live a sinless life in this sinful world. But he did it. And then he went to the cross. And he defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated Satan. And we know this by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By his resurrection from the dead, we know that the impossible has become possible with God. And so, of course, we can rejoice because we know that with God, we are going to level up. It's all going to be okay. He has done impossible things in the past and he still does impossible things in the present. You might think, oh, I haven't done anything impossible lately. Well, might I remind you that you're doing something impossible right now. Coming to church, being here this morning, me being up here this morning is an impossible thing because our sinful flesh, the world and Satan do not want you coming to worship God. And do not they do not want me up here telling you to worship God and encouraging you in your worship of God. This is an impossible thing that you're doing right now, sitting on a chair and listening to me and being here for songs and hearing prayers and praying those prayers it's an impossible thing God has done impossible things in your life again and again and if you're here this morning and you're visiting speak to a few people afterwards and say how has God done impossible things in your life what have you been able to do with God we have testimony after testimony after testimony of people who say only by God's grace could I have done that only by God's grace could I have done that and only by God's grace could I have done that So we know that God is a God who does the impossible. So we rejoice. We've seen it again and again, and we know we're going to level up, that one day we are going to defeat death. And so what do we do through it all as well? We rejoice, but we also praise God. Why do we praise God? Why do we spend our lives praising God? Why have you come this morning, an hour earlier than you have to, usually on a Sunday? Why have you gotten up early and come here on a public holiday? It's ultimately to praise God, I hope. And why would you be doing that? Because you know it's by God that you have won victories in this world. And it is by God that you will win the victory. You know it's our Heavenly Father who is the one who has won all victories, even defeating death. We're kind of like a child who's happy to just be in the game. You know, when your child's younger... And you're playing and they say, can I play too, Dad? Can I play too, Dad? Can I play too, Dad? And you're like, you just won't get the controls. It's just going to be a bit of a nightmare. Please, just, just let me play by myself. And then you let them play. And they're so excited that they get to play. And they shoot you in the back or do awful things, run you over. Um, but they're just excited to be a part of the game. And that's what we are like. Our face is shining that we have a heavenly father who has a tank, who has the Holy Spirit and sends the Holy Spirit. And so we're just delighted to be a part of it all. And so we we rejoice and we give him praise. This is my dad and we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And even while you're playing, you can even say, we've won, we've won, we've won because we have the tank. It's all going to be okay. And so you're actually speaking as though you've already done it. And then you, just, you know, say to your child, hang on, hang on, you can't say we're going to the next level yet. We've still got to sort things out a bit. But that's the expectation as a Christian. We know we're with God. And so it's done and dusted. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated. It's all over. So what are you finding impossible in your life? I asked it at the beginning. What are you finding impossible? Is it an impossible sin? Is it a fear of death, particularly over this last year? Are you afraid of death like never before? Why is that? Why are you finding life to be impossible? Is it because you're not playing with player one? You're not playing with player one. You're not playing with the captain of this world. You're not playing with God the Father. You're not living with God the Father and his canon that fires the Holy Spirit. Are you on a solo campaign in your life it's all about you you're playing solo do you realise what you're doing you're playing against formidable enemies you're playing against your own flesh which desires sin and hurt upon you day after day you're fighting against the world who is not friendly Just look around the world look at news headlines it is not friendly to people You're fighting against Satan. It's an impossible fight. It's like you're going up with fists where you need the cannon. You need serious weapons. And you're going out with your fists because you're on a solo campaign and I know how to do it and I can win this. But increasingly you're finding I can't win this. How am I going to defeat death one day? I may be young at the moment, but what about when I'm in my 70s and my 80s? How am I going to defeat death? and you're faced with the impossibility. You might want to push it to one side, try and drown it out, that little voice that says, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. You're just going on a solo campaign. So of course you find life impossible. Of course you face death as an impossible battle. And so is it no surprise that you may be in despair. What do I tell you this morning? Unite with player one. Unite with the captain. Unite with God himself, even if it is for the first time in your life. How do you do that? How do you come on his team? How do you start playing in co-op mode, cooperative mode, where you're no longer solo in this life, but you're co-opt with God himself? Well, come to him. Confess your need for help. Cry out help. Help, have mercy on me, a sinner. Don't need a big elaborate prayer. Just cry out to God for help. Confess that you're a sinner and ask for forgiveness of that sin by Jesus Christ at the cross. And then start calling on God to help in whatever situation you are facing. Call down the cannon fire of the Spirit on all your impossible problems and unite with players three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Keep coming and getting the help that God gives you in a local church. But maybe you have been playing in co-op mode in the past, but you're not relying upon God as you should be. You have played with him in the past, you have lived your life very much in close sync with him, asking for his help, but lately you haven't been doing it so much. You haven't been calling on the big guns in your battles and you haven't been looking for help from players three, four, five, six, nine, and 10 that God has given you? Is it no surprise that you're finding life to be hard? Even as you're playing in co-op mode, it feels like the cannon is far distant from you. It's more like you're playing solo rather than helping, having, experiencing the help of God. What are you to do? Well, call on the captain. Call upon player one. He is there ready to help if you will simply beg him for his help. Lay your problems out before him. Say, help, please. Help, please. And trust in him that he can help. He may not give you the help that you think you need, but he can help you. And while you do that, call upon the other players to come and assist you, who God has brought into your life, and then rejoice in the victories that God has given you. Rejoice in the victories he has given you and particularly that victory that you will have one day over death, that you will level up and live for eternity in heaven. We get to play the game with God and win. to be careful. It's not a, life is not a game. It can be very, very painful. But with God, we know that we're going to win. We're going to level up because we see That God is a God of the impossibility. And we'll give him the glory then. Give him the glory from your life. Ask him for help, but then thank him for the help he gives and give him glory. That he is the one who has all power. That with him... The impossible becomes possible. So this Christmas, I want to remind you to look, look, look at the virgin birth. Why? Why look at the virgin birth? Because there you see what we're taught in verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. The impossible happened with God. And there lies the answer to every problem that you face. There lies the answer to every problem that you face. Because... If we are with God, anything that you're facing that seems impossible becomes possible. In the game that we play with my son, uh, sometimes you do have CPU players who come in, they're controlled by the computer, and so there are other soldiers that are there, and they help, and they come along with the tank and everything. And when you're in the tank and you're blowing things up, sometimes I'll make little comments, and one of them likes to make this comment that, tanks are awesome and it's true in the game but i think the word awesome is overused awesome is that fearful wonder at something tanks are awesome no god is awesome god is the one who is awesome he is the one who is strong and mighty there's that old uh, kid's song, isn't there? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. See, I can do the actions still. Um, hopefully I'm still getting them right. But that is the God we have. He is awesome. He is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. Tanks pale in comparison to what God can do when he sends the Holy Spirit to help his children as they live their lives. Aren't you going to call upon him? Aren't you going to cry out to him, the awesome God who reigns over all? Let's come to him now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God of the impossible. We ask that you would forgive us for not trusting in you with the impossible problems of this life, particularly sin and death. Help us to remember that the virgin birth took place and that you are a God who makes impossibilities become possibilities and so that we would unite with you more and more, that we would come to you in faith, we would come to you in repentance and ask for your help with whatever we're going through and particularly to ask you for help as we face our sin and as we face our death O Lord, we pray that we would have joy in our hearts, knowing that with you even sin is defeated and with you even death is defeated, and so that we would rejoice and give you the glory that you deserve as our Heavenly Father. And we pray this all in your Son's name. Amen.